0: You are
1: listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real.
0: Hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm talking to Frank Burton, who has been on the show many, many times before. And you may hear that the audio quality is slightly worse than it usually is. If you're a new listener, just skip ahead a little bit, you'll hear exactly what it normally sounds like. Uh, but I'm traveling in a car right now with Megan. Hi. And uh, it's just we've had a very busy day. Normally I do all the recording and editing and stuff at home, but I'm not really going to get a chance tonight, so I've been doing it all in the car. Uh, So that's why I'm recording from my phone. Uh, So just brief in this conversation, obviously listen to the multiple other conversations I have had with Frank Burton. Details are in the description, but it's episodes 34, 56, 86 and 144. That first one was quite a while ago, and it's a really good introduction to Frank. But we are talking about his latest book, as well as a new podcast series he launched with David Ivar of Herman Dune. And then we also talk about lots of other things like the meta subject of being interviewed as an author, uh, celebrities that appear in his uh, latest book, Brollywood, and lots of other cool things like that. But make sure you check out the description. There's links to the Brollywood physical book, the audio book, Frank's website, and lots of other bits and pieces we spoke about. So always check the show notes. But thank you so much for listening, friends. This is part one, so part two will be out this time next week at the same time, but all patron supporters already have access to part two. So if you can't wait for that and you want to get loads of bonus content and support the show please consider going to patreon.com slash genuine chitchat but i'm going to keep this short so just thank you for listening as always i'll be back at the end for a little bit more information on what's to come and i'll speak to you soon so here is part one of my conversation with frank burton welcome to genuine chitchat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton I am here today with returning guest who shares the same last name as myself, Mr. Frank Burton. It's so good to have you on the show as always. I think we do this pretty much every year. It's, it's like a, a yearly thing, um, which does coincide with the fact that you made the, I think when we sort of ran the time we first met, you made the decision that you wanted to release a book every year. So yeah. that's it's not some sort of weird mystery of the world. You specifically have planned to do this, uh, which is quite entertaining. Uh, but before we delve into the next of the uh the ragbag universe uh book, there's another podcast that you actually you spoke about. Um we're gonna be talking about Brodywood, but people have probably read that in the title. Um but before that, in the episodes of Brodywood, in the because I listened to it obviously on um on your podcast feed in um in the episodic format, in that, you did mention that there was another podcast that you did that wasn't Ragbag, that wasn't I Like the Sound. And obviously, I recently appeared on I Like the Sound. Thank you so much for that, sir. It's been in my show notes for a little while of all the, the guest spots and things. I keep trying to mention oh, it, or cool. I, I remember. Um But I'll include a link in the uh, description as well anyway, so people can listen. Obviously, season two. Um But you actually were talking about something else that you made. Um So I wonder if you could just talk to us a little bit about this, the other project that was like a mini series of podcasts. I think that uh, people would be quite interested to hear it.
1: Yeah, well, um, there is a, a band who uh, your listeners may have heard of called Herman Doom, who I have been a fan of for 20 years. And uh, David Ebar, who is the, the main sort of creative force behind the band, is just one of my absolute heroes. And I approached him a few years ago to interview him on the Ragbag podcast. And I ended up interviewing him a couple of times on the Ragbag podcast and just talking about his kind of new releases that he had out at the time. And then um, about a year ago, he approached me and said, "Would you like to make this podcast series with me?" And uh, I've mentioned he's my hero, so it took me about five seconds to say yes. <laughs> and um, it's it, he's such a great guy, by the way, as well. I mean, I, I really love his songs. His, his approach to songwriting is so sort of really sort of personal and really sort of. Um, he always has kind of a different sort of angle on things, and just the, the way the way that he writes songs, it's, it's all it's all sort of. Um, yeah just just uh it's really one of a kind for uh, as far as i'm concerned and he wanted to make a sport podcast series called uh not on top the herman dune story not on top is one of his early albums that's the name of one of his uh, uh sort of one of the defining albums of his early period and um yeah so we we just uh we spent a, a good few hours in each other's company and I, I sort of got to know him really well and we, we've become friends really and it's really great um is a really nice sort of uh friendship that we've kind of um formed for ourselves really and we made this four-part podcast series uh just about the, the history of his band and i'd like to think it's kind of if you've not heard his music before it's it's a nice little kind of introduction to his music and it's a it's a good sort of way in to hear him talk about it and it's very it's very um is very eloquent and very sort of thoughtful in all the questions that I asked him. He really sort of thought really deeply about sort of but, you know. And uh, when we were working on what what approach to take with, with the podcast series, he was very sort of like, you know, we, we had a lot of discussions about kind of, well, how he's coming across and, and uh, you know, I, I was kind of like <laughs> coaching him in terms of, because he, he, he doesn't really like being interviewed very much, so. <laughs> It's kind of like um, I was kind of you know getting him to to kind of be himself you know and just just uh, come out as himself because it's kind of easy when you're kind of in a band I suppose and you're being uh, interviewed about stuff just to give like a stock response to like the questions you know and just sort of give your usual response to this sort of thing but um, you know David just he really, really kind of properly just like really thought about what he was saying. And it it was just uh, a really, really nice sort of series of conversations that we had. And, uh, yeah, it's a really great series that. I'm really pleased with it. So, yeah, the Herman Dune podcast. uh, I recommend it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and it's funny because after i listened to Brolywood i did have a little break from listening to your voice uh because it was several hours
1: of it <laughs> oh you need um, it you?
0: <laughs> it wasn't just you it's anything i listen to I, i've i've got an audible subscription so um and i got like a deal i got like 12 months worth for like 40 quid or something uh and it's basically if anyone who hasn't used audible each month you get a credit and a credit can be used for an audiobook and they normally cost about eight quid by themselves and so you know I got them for half price so I just got 12 audiobook vouchers just in one go um and so a lot of the listening I've been doing on that was Star Wars unsurprisingly as I'm listening to a lot of Star Wars Legends books and some canon books that I hadn't picked up or anything and then I can kind of I've got some Star Wars books I'm reading some Star Wars comics I'm reading and now Star Wars books I'm listening to but in between that I have to have breaks as well because I can't just purely consume Star Wars I have to have something else to talk about with people so when I um after listening to brollywood and things i then had a, a break i was into star wars stuff again a, a couple of sort of uh, easy to listen podcasts because like as much as i enjoy brollywood it's also it is an audiobook so i have to pay attention to it like i've got a few podcasts i describe as shower podcasts so i check them on when i'm in the shower and it's normally uh, friends of mine on comics in motion talking about you know uh, if it's discussion show on and or the new Star Wars uh, show or if it's you know just talking about a film that I've seen you know and it's just a casual hour long conversation where a couple of people are having a laugh about a film. I don't need to listen to every single word in that conversation. I just need to get the gist and pick up the pieces. But when it's an audiobook or one of the podcasts uh, that's more serious, uh, like shout out to my friend Tonya Todd, who did the banned books podcast. Um, she did seven episodes of that on books that have been banned. They're very important conversations. I can't just half listen to them. So ones like that and the audiobook, I want to actually focus on. So I listen to when I'm doing, um, you know, chores where I'm tuning out, like uh, uh, washing up or driving somewhere. But with Brolywood, I had a break from it, and then I went back, and I was like, you know, Frank kept mentioning Not On Top, and I have no idea who, who Herman Jumar are. Uh, I've never heard of them. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that a go, because I'm intrigued, and even if it's not necessary to my taste, obviously you were saying in Brolywood how passionate you were about it and how you think it's one of the best things you've ever done. So I was like, I want to support Frank, I want to listen to it. And I, I would agree with what you said. Like, he is such an interesting guy. Like... <laughs> being obviously the singer of a band you get generally two personality types you either get the uh, this is very broad general terms of course um, but it's either really uh eccentric and over the top and extroverted and someone who's really really willing to say anything about themselves because it's all about promotion and then a lot of the time you get the ones who are a lot more uh interest kind of introverted in certain ways but they're just like like i have to talk to all these people as you say you know i've got these stock answers i don't want to promote my music i want to create music i love and then I would like for people to listen to it, and ideally live off it, but I create music because I'm passionate about the music, not because it's, you know, a money-making thing. And when you hear him talk about it, you can kind of hear him. He's like, there's almost, because you've said it, I can think uh, retrospectively, it's almost like you can hear his degree of what would be a stock response, and then he catches himself and makes it more of a, a full tangent. So I think you as the interviewer and you as the like a friend of him is just i keep saying him is david eva as you said um but because you're that you've got that relationship that kinship and things i feel like it really does come out in the podcast and me just listening to the first episode i was like I want to check out this band. So I listened to, i sing saying before we press record, I listened to some of their music beforehand and it's quite different and interesting. So do you find that, do you feel like almost all of your ragbag interviews have kind of been a build-up <laughs> to your, your friendship <laughs> with Herman June Like if nothing else happens in my life, I'm now mates with uh, David Ivar of Herman June I've released his Kraken podcast.
1: <laughs> well, it's a nice thing. It's certainly a nice thing that, that's come out of it. And um, I, I wouldn't have been able to make that series if I hadn't made Ragbag first. Because, um, you know, it, I would have just been completely at the deep end. And it was uh, like, you know, the the, the original, the, the first time I interviewed David was um, for Ragbag years ago. And um, like, I was really nervous because I was meeting this guy who I, I really admire. He was kind of like a bit awkward because he doesn't like doing interviews. So, <laughs> so like... We're, we were kind of stumbling a bit and then he, he was just, well, just asking me questions about myself. And I, I say, he said, like, where, where are you? Where, what city are you in? I said, I'm in Manchester. And he, his face just lit up and he said, I love Manchester. And he started telling me these stories about being on tour and uh, visiting Manchester and these, these kind of uh, music shops he used to go to and stuff. And like, uh, just kind of brought him out of himself, you know, and that we just uh, kind of clicked from that moment, really. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, if I hadn't sort of had those sort of experiences of kind of, uh, cause I, I did used to get like, when I was, I'm not kind of a natural interviewer like yourself, um, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get quite nervous around it, particularly if it was somebody that I, I really liked and like, uh, you know, there was a lot in it, it felt like there was a lot, um, resting on it for me in those circumstances. And I didn't always know what to say. And I, I tried to avoid like the cliched sort of questions about, oh yeah, how how, how did the band first get together and stuff like that. You know, things that they've been asked like thousands of times before, try and sort of think of questions that like nobody's ever asked them before. And, um, you know, so having had that experience, I think, you know, of uh, doing that show for a couple of years and then sort of, I, I was able to like properly approach that with David to do that four part series. So, yeah. Yeah, it's quite yeah. It, nice.
0: It's one of those, especially with musical artists, because of the ones that I've spoken with, and, and it's the same with kind of the more famous someone gets, in essence, and obviously the more interviews they've done, the harder it is to interview them in a lot of ways. The the easier it is if you're just on a TV show and you need to talk to them for ten minutes, but if you're an indie podcaster or someone who's trying to actually get something out the conversation rather than it just being a slot to fill which obviously is how you and I feel. I don't have anyone on my show that I'm not, you know, actively interested in or mm. they have something different to say. And obviously when Ragbag was more of the conversational style uh, podcast, you know, intertwined with the sort of story elements of it. But when you were focusing on the the interviews, specifically with musicians and et cetera, it is that thing. Because I found that when I spoke to a couple of the High Republic authors, I was like, right, I got to listen to like four or five of their interviews, listen to the exact same questions that comes up. And obviously you have people who are into Star Wars the always questions people get is Who's your favorite Star Wars character? Who's your favorite Star Wars B list character that no one's heard of? Who, what's your favorite Star Wars film and why? And, and it blah, blah, blah. And um, by the time you ask these 10 questions about Star Wars, that you probably ask anyone who you've ever met in your life who says they like Star Wars, you, you meet a friend around the pub, you ask these same 10 questions. Or oh, I do. Um, but when that happens, it's like, the first half of the hour you've got has been used up by stock answers that someone else has already got, and it's and they get a bit bored of it because they're like, well, this is just like every other conversation I've ever had, you know. And if you can think of things that are interesting, if you can think of things that they've not been asked before, you can immediately feel the uh, their shoulders loosen a little bit, and they're kind of, oh, I have to, I have to actually think about these things now. I can't just almost tune out. And I, I find that with yourself, you definitely did that uh, with David Evar.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, one of the things that I, just on a side note, one of the things that I like about being interviewed by you for my books is that you read them. Um, <laughs> because one of the hardest things, speaking as an author, one of the hardest things it, it, when you're being interviewed by somebody, and it's, it's happened to be quite a few times, is that the interviewer hasn't read the book. Mm-hmm. So you have to explain to the interviewer what the book is about. Now, you've read Brody Wood. It's a difficult book to just <laughs> to explain so I, I basically spend like pretty much the entirety of the interview trying to explain what the book is about and uh, by by the time I've explained that it's kind of the whole thing's over, you know, and like that they're still kind of well okay so so he is you, but he's not you yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 very confusing yeah yeah
0: its it's one of those I find whenever I have um authors on. I like, I get contacted by people's, um, either agents or podcast, um, promoters or things like that. I get a lot of authors. And if I didn't curate who comes on my show, it would be genuine book chat. It, every single week would be an author. That's how many authors are trying to promote their stuff. And I'm like, some of their books are really interesting, but I'm like, unless, if the subject matter, if it's a fiction, if it's a non fiction book and the subject matter is quite, you know, ambiguous, like, council culture how twitter's ruining the world although you should read the book before having someone on if you have been approached by someone who's trying to get someone on your show and they're like can they comment in two weeks is that like, well I, I i don't have time to read your book in two weeks with something like that i can read normally the media book that like they give or you go on amazon you can read the first chapter or so and normally i find if i can read the first chapter at least that gives a, a at least a vague idea of where the book's going to go or what it's going to be about as long as it's non-fiction. When it goes into fiction, yeah, it's. I try to avoid doing that when I can because I speak to a lot of authors and they always say, yeah, I don't like it. It's not fun talking to someone who's not read your book because you basically have to kind of jitter around what you actually want to talk about and you can't you know when we are about to speak about Brolywood and things there'll be stuff that i'll mention that you and i and anyone who's read the book will understand but people who haven't won't get but listening to someone talk about it it will still work in context but if you've not read the book there's only a finite amount of places you can actually go and especially with the let's call it surrealist writings of yours some of those things if we tried to talk about um you know what we did uh quite a while ago the 100 which I still talk to people about today because I just think there are so many ideas in that book that are so brilliant that there's that one um, which is the room when you go into and there's loads of photo albums and it's every photo you've ever been in that is not a photo taken of you. You're in the background. Anytime I'm with a new person... And the photos get taken. I always mention that because I'm just like, this just such a oh. genius idea. I was in uh, Disneyland Paris uh, a week or two ago with our friend, me and Megan went with our friend Kerry. And then, you know, we were trying to avoid being in everyone's photos, either when we we're at the Eiffel Tower or when we we're at Disney, people taking photos of the castle. We we're trying to avoid it. And then I mentioned, I was oh, you know, obviously Megan knows you by name and uh, well, has met you, obviously. Um, but before she met you as well, she knew of you because I speak about um, obviously podcasting and stuff quite a lot. And when I spoke to Kara, I was like, oh, you know a friend of mine, Frank Burton, he wrote a book and it's got this thing, this really cool idea. So I always bring up that idea, but I don't know how you would talk to anyone about The 100 if you haven't read it. Like, how do you talk about 100 short stories without spoiling what's in the stories, but just talk ambiguously about it? Surely that's like a 10-minute conversation.
1: It is. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. Um, I, I didn't, fortunately, I didn't do that many interviews for The uh, 100. I, I did one, there's, there's, there's a great... Um, radio show in Manchester called um, Hannah's Bookshelf and it's run by an author called Hannah Kate mm-hmm. and uh, I went in and was interviewed by her and I was all sort of ready, I, I was kind of thinking like, how am I going to describe this book because it's so complicated there's so many different characters, so many different ideas uh, I, I just had this whole spiel ready and um, I could, uh, she started uh, the interview by saying, yeah, uh, this is Frank's book, I've read it, it's great I'm, oh great, she's read it, nice saw <laughs> <song>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> now i don't have to spend half an hour explaining what it's about that's great uh,
0: well i'll make a note of that because i'll get people to listen to that as well obviously we had a full conversation about it but that uh, like your other books obviously are in the ragbag world primarily i know like the sort of the first book i think you released wasn't but the recent books you've been releasing have been the ragbag world so they they've been yes. good as standalone books but they also work when they're interconnected and work better uh, the kind of the more you read but with 100, if anyone's listening and they haven't, obviously go back and listen to that episode. I'll put a link in the description. Um, but check out The 100, the audiobook of it. Well, you can pick up the physical book, obviously, but uh, the audiobook's how I listen to it. And you get lovely Frank doing all the narration and stuff. You get a few different voices, which is always a lot of fun. And it's just the the purely even if you don't want to listen to it for the narrative sense or because you don't want to support our good friend frank here just listen to it for the sheer amount of ideas because i just it, it, there's so many cool ones that i just feel like you could almost write a book series almost on any short story just of some of the, the concepts and i won't spoil it but some of them as you get further in the book and it kind of zooms out and out and out some of them are mental and so it just it's nice having that and i think that In a way, you kind of got all of the, in a very good way, all the crazy ideas, or a lot of them out. And then you were kind of left with, right, here's some ideas that are a bit mad, but in urban myths can work. And that's where I found there's a lot of elements of urban myth that play quite strongly in the Ragbag Presents uh, book series. And I really like that. And obviously, when we spoke before, um, there was the conversation about, I can't remember what they were called. Oh, the the people that were holding the Eiffel of Tower hostage. Um, With that idea... That was kind of a central part of the prior book, but in this one, it's about, well, what is brolywood? That's kind of the big question in a sense. So I know that uh, trying to explain your book to people who haven't read it is never the author's fun thing, because we just spoke about that. But as a jumping off point with Brolywood in itself, with where it fits into the ragbag universe, this is the is it the third book? it's the third book yeah yeah I, get, I forget sometimes because obviously the ragbag show went on for so long that it was just like where which one was it but yes it's, and also because they jump around time wise a little bit too it's like okay and I'm always no I've got the idea of the next one you're writing as well so it's a bit all over the place but with Brolywood, was that always planned to be the third one Did was the concept behind it always going to be there like what was the the birthing method of, of this book and where it fell in the series
1: um the uh it it all sort of developed based on a number of different ideas. Uh, the uh, I wanted I want each of the books in the series to be focused on, focused mainly on one individual character. There's quite a lot of characters in the Bollywood novel, as it turns out. But kind of, the original idea was that the central character was going to be Noddy, who is mm-hmm. um he was in the first book, and he uh, Frank met him when he was in prison. And uh, he shared a cell with him, and he's kind of this uh, member of this mysterious sort of criminal fraternity that is very, very sort of, um, uh, yeah, very secretive. (laughs) Trying not to spoil uh, your own book. (laughs) I can (laughs) see the gears
0: turning like Mike's read it, but I can't reveal too much.
1: (laughs) Well, um, I'm just thinking how best to describe it, actually. Yeah. So, so, yeah, Noddy was in the first book. And I, I said at the time that I was going to write a whole book, I, I was going to explain a lot about Noddy, where Noddy came from, what his origins were, and all that sort of thing. So um, the, that, that was the initial idea of having Noddy as the central character for Bollywood Woods, And uh, he, he kind of is, but th- there's a lot of other characters in this one as well. So it's uh, quite a chaotic sort of tale, this one. It's, uh, it's centred around a bank heist. Um, which is, uh, uh, it, it involves various different fictionalized versions of, sort of Hollywood actors. Which is uh, it's not something that I've done in any of the previous two books. I haven't done this sort of little trick of like fictionalizing real people. Well, I, I fictionalized myself because I am kind of the main character in the book, but I haven't sort of done this thing where I use kind of fictionalized versions of public figures and I'm, n- I'm not going to do it again because I don't think I'd be able to get away with it twice <laughs> but uh, basically the title of the book Rollywood refers to this bank which is basically a sequel society that is run by the sort of uh, British sort of A-list Hollywood stars who wants wanted to form this little club for themselves as a as a kind of a getaway, like a place to get away from their the the the, the stresses of their real life, <laughs> and um, so it it pretends to be a bank, but it's not really a bank. But also that there's about a hundred billion pounds in the vault of this bank because it is a real bank as well, <laughs> and it's it's about how Frank uh, accidentally gets kind of roped into robbing the place, and. Uh, you know, as 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 you do, uh, you know. But I, I really wanted to. I, I really wanted to write a bank heist story because I, I I love them. You know, I I love that sort of thing where the, you know, just kind of movies like uh, Ocean's Eleven and The Italian Job and that that sort of uh, structures of those stories where you get like the, you you see this this team of people coming together and they plan this bank heist and then you see the bank heist happen and the bank heist you know inevitably doesn't go as according to plan and you know chaos ensues and so on it it's it's always uh, a great kind of thing I've, I've never done this sort of story before either so i thought you know i want to try my hand at doing this and that's what i've done i've i've, uh, I've done a bank heist story <laughs> yeah it's a really cool one as well and obviously
0: we're not going to spoil what happens in it or the who what when where why apart from frank burton's in it um but It's a funny thing because I noticed that this with what you've said there about it being sort of a degree of a kind of a... Uh, it's a secret area a secret bank the kind of thing it's quite entertaining because in everything i am obviously you played around with the idea of another secret thing so is is this going to become a theme in every other book there's going to be like a secret club or is this just this for now this is just the two secret clubs
1: <laughs> <laughs> no 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 there's uh the, the, there's always the uh you use the expression urban myth which i like and that's uh there's there's a lot of urban myths in the ragbag series and I've kind of started off small. I mean, the the fir- the first book is kind of centered around this secret flat that um, Frank's dad and his uncle and some of their friends have got. And uh, but uh, Bollywood is kind of like that, but it's instead of it being run by some of Frank's relatives, it's being run by Benedict Cumberbatch and <laughs> Anthony Hopkins and uh, people of that caliber. So it's it's kind of a different scenario. It's it's I've kind of upscaled it, if you like. And uh, it's just another kind of a urban myth, if you like. You know, and the second book is uh, second book is kind of a, 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 has a similar sort of theme to it as well. And uh, yeah, there's gonna the, I'm writing the fourth book at the moment, which is kind of uh, going to be about cults. So you you can see where this is going, can't you? It's uh, <laughs> there's uh, a lot of these secret societies. I like these stories about secret societies. I guess.
0: I think that you're secretly in one. I think you're actually, you are the noddy. You are in this secret, beyond secret societies. It's beyond all of the the air quotes, no ones and all these urban myths. You come on the show and you go, no, that a myth. I made that up for the book no I, I made that one up for the book these are all real things but what you're doing in this society is funneling all these things that really happened through ragbag and pretending it's a version of you that's not actually you all to make it seem like none of these things are real you're double bluffing the nation that's what you're doing a ragbag isn't it you got me you got me yeah <laughs> is that gonna be the last book of ragbag is that gonna be the actual <laughs> it's gonna be like a full circle thing <laughs> <laughs>
1: well uh yeah I'll,
0: uh, I'll i'll get back to you on that oh, oh exciting stuff how many like vaguely i know i always ask you this but i'm always intrigued because the number always seems to grow whenever i talk to you about it i know that generally speaking you one when you're already you know released and recorded the audio for one book you're basically already starting to write the other book and normally i find that you're you're promoting one book you're writing the next one but you've also normally got most of the following one kind of in broad strokes, figure out in your head as well. Are you still continuing on the streak of trying to do a book a year, or are you going to start to rein it in a bit, or are you <laughs> you doubling up?
1: <laughs> well, uh, I've 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 got a clear plan for the first time actually. Um, mm. in terms of where the narrative is going to, I think it's going to be a series of five. Wow. Um, so they uh working on the fourth one at the moment. Fifth one is going to be um yeah uh, so so as i was saying uh each of the books is has got like a, a particular character at the center of it and uh the fifth book is going to be all about frank mm. um and uh, I'm, I'm trying to with with, with with each of the books that goes on i'm trying to kind of get more and more kind of under the skin of that character and kind of reveal kind of more about him and, and about his kind of uh, internal world, I guess. And I think once I get to the fifth book, and I've kind of written uh, with with him as kind of the central character, I think that would be a good place to. Uh, I'm not saying that would be the last book as such, but this series of five will be a complete set of of things. I mean, I may do more after that, but um, for the ending, of the what I've got planned is for the fifth book to have a really nice sort of satisfying payoff at the end of that. Mm. and that will kind of tie in with kind of bits of the other books as well so that is that is the plan as we have it at the moment uh (laughs) it could change who knows it's always part of the
0: fun it's always is it's one of those as well with where like i always say to people when uh they listen to this and things obviously it's like go check out the audiobook because even if this is the first one you jump on you've you've done it in a very uh clever way where you don't have to listen to them in order uh you you can you can just listen to them kind of as and when and they all fit together but obviously the later ones do to a degree reference the earlier ones but more so you know oh frank burton is saying yeah i wrote the book everything i am and or at this point in the story i was writing everything i am because this is a flashback of however many years ago so i like that use that it is is self-referencing without it being gratuitous but obviously in this one you um, you actually tackled a little thing that I, I don't know if many people know about this, but it's, uh, it's a little thing called COVID. Um, the world kind of shut down for a few months, or in some places years, um, and future generations, I'm not sure. I'm very interested to see how that's going to be in the history books and like when I eventually have kids, being able to tell them, yeah, there was like a year period where everything just stopped for a while and then just kind of went back and everyone was, half the people were trying to gun ho and jump back into it, and the other half people were trying to retract. Very weird time, still is. Um, but Obviously, in this book, you made the decision to specifically talk about current events. And I know that because everything I am was primarily flashbacks, you did, you put some flavor text in there, but that obviously comes from also the era more than anything. And so, with this one, is this, am I right in thinking this is basically the most connected to uh, what's going on in the real world at the time? Like th- this connecting to COVID, I think is probably the biggest clear connection as a timestamp in a way.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I try try and do that with each of the books, like kind of uh, reference kind of things that are going on at the time. But I think because of what happened with COVID is that it's kind of a stronger element. And it had to be really, it had to be an integral part of the story. Whereas in previous books, kind of, uh, you know, events that were happening in the the news and stuff were just kind of happening in the background. Whereas Mm -hmm. what happened with COVID was literally everybody was affected by it. And if you're writing a book that's set during the year 2020, you have to acknowledge this and you have to. And, uh, but it, it's, it really is an integral part of the story because um, Frank, the character, lives in a van. And uh, when, when COVID hit, he wasn't able to live in a van anymore. So he has all of this sort of thing. He has to go and he has to find somewhere to live. So he moves in with this girl who he, he's kind of just met and uh, uh, Complicated relationship there, and then you, that. Then he accidentally burns the house down, and then he ends up um, living with his uncle Claude. And then you know, so, so there's this whole thing, and, and all the time he's is having to adhere to all these guidelines and uh, lockdowns and all that sort of thing. But also there's a the fact that he's, he's about to rob a bank in a bit, and um, they're trying to figure out how to um, how to rob this bank use under COVID restrictions, you know. So, and I want I I, I very much wanted to just not forget about the fact that kobe was there because I, I wanted to be really strict about it and everybody in that book has to follow all of the guidelines and if they break the guidelines i'm going to point it out i'm going to say th- this you know this guy took his mask off as it, at this point and, and you know that sort of thing you know and uh, w- one thing that really annoyed me actually about, about uh, at the time you remember during um during uh, lockdown and stuff like that all these kind of tv shows came out and uh, and stuff like that and they would very very sort of vaguely acknowledge the fact that like there'd be an extra in the background with a mask on and everybody else would just carry on as normal you know it it just really it just wasn't realistic at all that they they really just didn't want to acknowledge the covid thing because i I guess i can see why because you know, it would just disrupt the story too much. And then, you know, in a couple of years' time, it would just be, like, completely out of date. And, you know, <laughs> you when know, you're watching these shows where everybody's wearing masks and stuff, anyway. But for me, with, uh, with Brolywood, I just wanted to make sure that all of, all of the um, guidelines were followed, even when they are robbing the bank. And um, I had all the dates of all that, and then the lockdown restrictions eased at this point, and that's why they were able to go in at this time. And then they had the second lockdown, all these kind of complicated things that I had to incorporate into the story. But they they actually ended up dictating the story in a way, because the story starts when uh, the kind of catalyst for the start of the story is the fact that Frank has nowhere to live. So he has to, because of COVID, he has to go and live in this house and then uh because the restrictions easier but then the second uh you know the, later on we get the second lockdown and that kind of dictates part of the story as well so yeah it was kind of an it, it was an interesting challenge that one was yeah yeah i mean i, I was going to i mean that there the were it's a difficult thing to write about i think the pandemic particularly in a comedy. i mean uh, like this is supposed to be a funny book it's a comedy you know it's it's and it's it is, not to clarify, that's
0: like, why I keep laughing no. when you mention things. So I'm not laughing at you, I'm <laughs> laughing because I'm remembering funny things that happened in the book that I can't quite
1: talk about. You know, and, and by its nature, I, I think it's, uh, intentionally, it's kind of like the funniest one. I've, I've gone kind of, I've gone into kind of sillier sort of territory than I have in the previous books. And I just wanted it to be like a, a nice sort of light kind of funny book and like something that's going to make people laugh. But then I've got this COVID thing, which is kind of like, but... In a way, it works quite well because the 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 the, the serious element of it, the, the serious stuff that is going on in the background, is it, a nice little sort of counterweight to to this very very silly story that I'm telling. So it kind of because the silliness of the story, I'm kind of like I'm, I was I was a bit apprehensive about it being as silly as it is, but I think that I've. It's quite it's quite fortunate that we had COVID in a way because <laughs> <laughs> it kind of it gives it that sort of grounding in reality in in its own way. It, it makes it more part of the real world because I think if if it wasn't set during the pandemic, it'd just be a silly story about a bank heist and um, you know turns ter- turns out that adding COVID into the mix was a quite an interesting sort of element to it
0: especially with itself. it coming out so so soon as well because i know that uh there is a certain content which we don't like i, I know it gets referenced because of Ben De cumberbatch being in the book but it's like marvel sh- marvel movies and stuff like they they are made like a year or two three years before sometimes four years before some of the <clears throat> obviously the writing gets taken place even earlier than that but it's like when they're making a marvel show from let's make a marvel film rather when they're like right let's make a movie to we're finished now, full stop, it's out, the premiere's done, the press is done, that can be anywhere between, I mean, two years out of push. Really, it's like five, six, maybe even seven or eight years. Like, they've already got plans for the next, like, ten years going on. So, obviously, the amount of work that takes when something happens majorly, major in a social sense, obviously, I know the MCU is set in its own different universe, so they don't really have to tackle uh, things like COVID, but as more of an example films and things, is that there's, like, a backlog. There's, there's, like, um. Whenever something major happens in society, for about a year, whatever's released doesn't even mention it because of the the scheduling of stuff. So it's quite refreshing when I was listening to this to hear it talking about COVID and stuff. And obviously, although most of the restrictions in the UK are gone, COVID is still clearly a thing. Like whenever me or Megan have got ill, the first question is, we need to take a COVID test. Let's make sure that we haven't got, you know, it's not just a cold or you know a bit of a a flu or something. We need to make sure if it's not this bad big earth thing uh in a sense so writing during covid it, and about covid I, I did find it very refreshing as well because you know even though it is a very serious thing and obviously there are people who died people got very ill and people are hugely massively affected by it lost their livelihood etc w- w- acknowledging all of those things but there every element of human life even tragedies which i'm not saying covid is always not a tragedy but they all at least either have a funny side or at least have the capacity for a joke. Now, depending on how serious the thing is, depends on how good the joke has to be and the right timing and place. You know, I'm not going to go on here and talk about loads of 9-11 jokes, but, like, there are people who make those. But if you see the kind of comedian who would make that kind of joke, that's usually part and parcel with the kind of comedy. You don't want it to be the day after it happening, going to work, and your boss telling one. There's a time and a place. And I think with this, the jokes in COVID are not making fun of anyone dying of COVID that's not the joke there's just lots of there's little things mainly about Uncle Claude who as you know is my favourite character and whenever he comes up I absolutely crack up if not for the voice alone and it's just little things like I went over Uncle Claude and he was wearing a mask while sat at the TV by himself I don't think he needs to wear the mask but is that sort of I'm you know I'm not saying it in the funny way you said it but it's just that kind of thing of I don't think he needs to wear the mask when he's by himself in a house with no one else but I'm not that's that was the joke. It's just he's just a, a slightly older gentleman who wants to be really careful, really follows the rules, and almost doesn't want to get in trouble, and also wants to look out for everyone to such a degree. he's just sat there in like in shorts on his sofa, but in a mask, <laughs> watching TV by himself. And it's that the little bits of imagery and flavor text which make it so you're not being insensitive to the clear problematic crisis that's going on, and a lot of the things that happen in COVID do you do mention them you do mention some of the more serious things obviously as you said the catalyst for the show is that for the story is Frank having to move because of covid so i really like although there is comedic elements i want to specifically and explicitly say to the audience you're not joking at covid you're making jokes while covid is happening which is life and i really yeah, appreciate yeah. that oh thank you <laughs> it's it's one of those it's just with with this, it, it's so hard. Obviously, I love talking to you about these things, but all, a lot of the time what I want to talk about is all the the juicy stuff. And obviously, a lot of the juicy stuff is not the things I want to reveal on the podcast. Um, but we'll talk about... You, you mentioned it slightly earlier, which is some of the the celebrities uh, that are in this. Because obviously, uh, as you described, Brolywood and things, it's a club for celebrities. There's also a bank. So in that, you have a number of celebrities that come up. And obviously, I listen to the audiobook versions of these. And so I get to hear... Either some of your impressions of them, or with Benedict Cumberbatch, he came on the actual podcast and did it, which is amazing that you know Benedict Cumberbatch. It's, it's incredible, um, and that you've appeared on Ragbag so many times and stuff. Is and well, you well. Yeah, I'm well connected. I'm
1: well connected guy, you know.
0: <laughs> so w- with these celebrities adding in, obviously Benedict was already connected to Ragbag from the podcast itself. But how did you feel about broaching the the subject of celebrity? Because as you said, like you 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 don't necessarily you're not going to do it again you couldn't get away with it twice so how was it doing it your only time?
1: It was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun I really enjoy it um, just sort of <laughs> to, for, for putting words in people's mouths and stuff like that. Just th- th- thing things uh, getting Anthony Hopkins to say things that Anthony Hopkins would never say. <laughs> it's just fun. It's just um, and uh, wh- one th- one thing I'll, I'll 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 mention at this point actually is that um, it's it's cool for us to talk about this because we're we're talking about this in context. While i while I'm doing sort of general publicity for the book and kind of on the on the back cover of the book and i've got a copy of it here you can see um doesn't mention any of this stuff and none of the none of the stuff that i'm putting on social media mentions benedict or mentions any of the other people are in it like um you know and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk about it because um i think it's people are gonna oh there's a book about benedict Cumberbatch. i'll buy that (laughs) and then I don't want people to do that because I know that those people will be disappointed because they're, they're expecting it to be some kind of Hollywood biography or something, <laughs> and that's not what it is, you know. So I'm not gonna. I just want the these kind of appearances by these famous people to be like a surprise when when people pick up the book and read it because, like I say, there's not there's nothing in the description on the cover that says that that's what it's about. There, there's a hint of it, and the fact that it's got some um, like weird name that rhymes with Hollywood. Maybe they can figure it out. But um, yeah. But anyway, back to your question, which was um, the the writing of the thing. Actually, the the the, the bit that I enjoyed the most uh, is is not an actor, but um, there's a whole section about Richard Branson, which I really enjoy writing. There's there's a um, there's a story about uh, Noddy. So for people who don't know the character, Noddy is basically this kind of really kind of elaborate con man who is able to right, impersonate whoever he wants to impersonate and, he, and he, he says that he can basically study that person to an extent where he can pass himself off as that person and it, it's all about capturing the person's essence that, that's the uh, expression that he uses and Noddy has this story about this time that he impersonated Richard Branson and, and walked into the Virgin head office's and kind of defrauded them for for like millions of pounds, and um, it, it was just yeah that, that was a fun sort of story because I was kind of uh, making fun of, of Richard Branson, which is which is a fun thing to do because I, I think he's a slightly ridiculous man, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but, but with the other ones, I'm not kind of making fun of any of these other people. I was kind of making fun of Richard Branson because I think he, he's, you know, he's the sort of person that it is good to make fun of. <laughs> but I'm not making fun of any of these real people, kind of, the uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch or Anthony Hopkins or any of these people. I'm just kind of, um, I've just kind of created these fictionalized versions of them. And uh, my version of Benedict is slightly kind of, this slightly sort of ridiculous man who, he kind of, uh, you know, he, he gets things muddled up, and he's a little bit sort of, uh, kind of. Uh, th- th- there's a little bit of this sort of stereotypical posh boy sort of about him, and he's a bit of a buffoon, uh, you know. But I, I've, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the real Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't. I've never met the guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that we were joking earlier that obviously I've, I've never met the man myself. I don't, I don't really know anything about him either, so I've got no idea what he's like in real life. And um, I've just created this character who's quite. I'm I'm not trying to make fun of that of Benedict Cumberbatch as a person. I've just created a character who's got the same name as him. And for me, it's just it, it's just a fictional character. And for, you know, like like I say, I've done no research into this. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what the real man is like. And it, but it doesn't matter what the real man is like because this is a fictional character. It, it's not it's not the real person. You know
0: and that's the end of part one thank you so much for listening as always my friends part two will be out next week but if you can't wait that long please go over to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat and for as little as one pound a month you get access to all episodes of genuine chit chat they get released from now as part one and part two in one unsplit episode Uh, and in addition to that you get access to over a hundred episodes of Afterthoughts where myself and the lovely Megan who's with me right now hello I can't believe we've we've done an over a hundred episodes of Afterthoughts um we're, afterthoughts includes the ones I've done solo. Oh, right. um, but we have, yeah. Wow. We've been doing it for about a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. Um, so if you want to hear more from Megan, there was a little tease there. You want to hear our thoughts <laughs> on. Uh, horror films I mean horror, to be fair in Spooky Season we did like 15 or great. something or 12 whatever um, and we do it for over a year and a half now um, but if you want to hear afterthoughts from myself and Megan and this kind of fun banter uh, then please consider going over to patreon.com slash genuine chitchat but next week in part 2 the conversation with Frank does continue um, obviously we continue to talk about Brolywood the conversation that kind of started at the end of part 1 about celebrities and like Benedict Cumberbatch and people like that being in Brollywood we delve into that a little bit more and then we also talk about like how Frank and why he put celebrities in the book how he went about it those sorts of things we go off on a couple of tangents about other stuff including people who leave reviews for service stations which is a real thing people actually do so all service stations should because there are some service stations that are absolutely shocking <laughs> yeah but some people um, actually genuinely have like got a like five star a great day out for the kids so like, could you imagine if your parents <laughs> taking you to a service station she has a day out yeah,
1: well, God damn. anyone who goes into
0: Wales you just stop off at Lee Delamere because that's a cracking service station yeah see the, you, you fellows don't normally get uh, Megan in the outros Of any of the episodes Even ones that she's actually in the first in. time I've appeared in an outro Exactly Because normally I record The intro and outros When I get home But yeah Busy day and stuff So having to do it in the car um, But yes yeah, so If you want to hear more From Megan chiming in on things Then uh, go to Patreon So you can hear her afterthoughts There is a link To a free afterthoughts In the description Bit.ly Slash Tom Hanks One Where you can hear The first part of our Tom Hanks conversation But yeah Part 2 of the conversation With Frank is more of what you'd expect From Part one, you know, part two is a lot of fun too. Then, what we have got going from there? Well, myself, Megan, Rhea Carrigan, and the ever spectacular, ever amazing Spider Dan, uh, we're all doing Disney discussions. It's the fifth one, and it's a Christmas special. So, we're going to be doing that, um, but that's probably not going to be released for another couple weeks. That's going to be nearer Christmas, probably the week before Christmas or so. And then, I've got a conversation recording due uh, with Rathika Rao uh, next week as well, um, which is the individual I spoke to about Buddhism. So, we're going to go into another deep dive about Buddhism. So, that's going to be a lot of fun then so next week part two week after that Corral, the week after that Disney Discussions Christmas Edition and then the two subsequent weeks of that will be something I release from Patreon onto this feed uh, because it's Christmas and yeah not, not doing a lot of podcasting then but that is generally it from this outro. I'm trying to keep it fairly uh, short. But, you know, check Styles, Comics and Canon. Uh, check out the YouTube channel because you get video versions of this conversation. When part two drops, the video version of both part one and part two will be on YouTube as well. So please subscribe to YouTube.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. Everything's in playlists, all that sort of stuff as well. Follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook. And please leave a review on um, Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or Spotify or anything like that. We can give ratings and things. Share on social media. Tell your friends. Scream it from the rooftops Tell strangers you've never met before All those great things Thank you so much for listening As always I appreciate all of you And I'll speak to you next week With part two And any of those lucky Patreon supporters Who already have um, Access to part two They'll get a bonus episode Of Afterthoughts, As is the way we do things And I think it was probably Going to be the Indiana Jones episode Because we rewatched Raiders of the Lost Ark So that was a bit of fun But Thank you friends We'll speak to you Very soon And appreciate you mostly and Megan's driving oh, and just swerved. that, that <laughs> wasn't intentional I was going to end it there but Megan just added whoa at the end which sounded really it's, sarcastic
1: no 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 no, no. I,
0: I will explain that it's really dark at the moment and I'm driving on country lane so it's pitch black apart from obviously the lights of the cars and at that point we were going over a slight you know, hill uh, and there were like five or six cars in a row on, on oncoming traffic that were kind of making me a little bit blind um, and in doing so, I had to swerve a little bit because I thought I was going to hit the um, the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, so Megan swerved. I didn't say oh. She knew what she, she was doing. Woe. She said whoa. So, yeah, there you go. Fun times with Megan. Anyway, thanks, guys. We appreciate you all very much, and we'll speak to you very soon.
1: You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, Found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.